This is Meditations for Misfits, and I'm Fred Gruy. Welcome. In this podcast, we'll explore the advice Jesus gives us from the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 18, verses 15 through 20, on how we might better get along with each other. Obviously, I had promised we were going to spend the summer talking about parables, and this text is not a parable. Uh, The reason for that Well, there's two reasons. One, at uh, the leadership retreat we had in May, I was specifically asked to address this text for where we are in the life of our church at this time. That's one reason. But the other reason is this text sets up the parable we're going to consider next week, which is a very difficult parable. And so this gives the context and the backdrop for the telling of that parable that we will uh, look at next week. So with that uh, as a basic introduction, in this text that Mark uh, has read to us, Jesus is giving us a process, a prescription for how to deal with difficulties in the community of folks that are going to follow his teaching and his leading. He was prescient enough to know that we wouldn't get along. And uh, that has been borne out in over 2,000 years of church history. In fact, uh, the the saddest class I ever have had in my life was when I took church history at seminary and saw how intolerable followers of Jesus have been to each other since nearly the beginning. Uh, it started, it didn't even take long. Peter, uh, Paul, the apostle, was uh, a firebrand. And I can imagine one of the reasons he was not married, I wouldn't want to live with him. I don't know. <laughs> I mean, he was passionate. He was a, probably a wonderful human being, but I imagine difficult to be with. At one point, so this is, this is what just amazes me. The same man that wrote, love is patient, love is kind, walked up to Peter publicly. It's, this is in the letter to the Galatians, uh, chapter 2, verses 11 to 21. Peter would have meals and spend time with Greek-speaking people, non-Jews, until the big bosses from the church at Jerusalem showed up in the area, then Peter wouldn't associate with those Greek-speaking people. He didn't want to get in trouble with the folks back in Jerusalem. And so Paul walks up to Peter, Peter the apostle, and publicly says to him, you're a hypocrite, and you've turned my best friend Barnabas into a hypocrite as well. Stop it. Same man that wrote, love is patient. Love is God. <laughs> the same man that wrote, love keeps no record of wrongs. When he would go and do his work as a missionary, there were some Jewish Christians who would follow after him to try to straighten out the craziness they thought Paul was teaching because their belief was that you had to be Jewish to follow Jesus. And if you were a man, you had to be circumcised to follow Jesus. And so they would bring this teaching 
after where Paul has been, and it drove Paul nuts. And so Paul writes in Galatians chapter 5, 12, I wish these people would go the whole way and emasculate themselves. <laughs> the same man that wrote, love keeps no record of wrongs. <laughs> and so from the earliest, every letter in the New Testament is addressing difficulties in the communities that were trying to follow Jesus. Relational problems that they couldn't resolve. Every epistle addresses these problems. And then church history, two, three hundred years into the thing, at the first church councils, I've read the documents, it ripped my heart apart. Two to three hundred years after following Jesus, the church leaders would stand up in meetings and say, I anathematize and abominate you. And to anathematize means I send you to hell. And you're an abomination because they couldn't agree whether the Holy Spirit comes from God or with God. And so the fight over the word from or with caused people to abominate and anathematize each other. It's absurd. The tragedy of how is a community we've not gotten along. In 1900, best estimates are there were about 2,000 Christian denominations in 1900. 123 years later, we have 40,000 Christian denominations, all using the one book saying we know the way. Because people, we just don't get along all that well. And this is, for me, heartbreaking. We've experienced that in our own community, two major ruptures in the last eight or nine years. This is hard stuff. I, I want to share what I've just shared to sort of help us feel like we're not mutants and that we're the only ones that can't resolve this. Nobody has. But Jesus in the text has given us a prescription on how to avoid these kinds of serious ruptures. And as I shared earlier that Martin Luther King gave us a way forward and we ignore his vice at our peril, I would suggest we would ignore the advice of Jesus in this text to our peril as well. So what Jesus says is if you have a problem with somebody, if somebody wrongs you, if somebody does you wrong or hurts your feelings, just go to them and say, ouch, that hurt. Did you mean to do that to me? Was that your intention? And come with a, a humble grace to say, is that what you really wanted? And why? Have I done something to try to work it out? And if you can't work it out, then go get a, 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 a fair arbitrator to sit and listen to both sides and say, well, here's where you're wrong and here's where you're wrong. I'll kiss and make up. And if you can work it out, great. And if you can't, then go get the leaders of the church. And if somebody is still just refusing, refusing, refusing to take ownership on what they've done, then you you got to let them say go. You you, this is not good. You got to leave. 
hopefully for a while, and then they'll come back. The, as I read this, it's not a complicated process. It really isn't. But what I, what I read behind it, much like a cancer or a bodily disease, if we can catch it early, treatment is much simpler. To let it go on and on and on, treatment becomes much more complex. And so when it's that initial simple rebuff or heartbreak or wound or whatever, go right away so that we don't have to cut something off down the road because it just festers and gets worse. That's what, and the goal, we, we should not lose sight of the, the goal here is relationship so that we stay connected, that we stay related. That is the purpose of it all. It's not about who's right and who's wrong. It's so we can stay relationally connected with each other and with our leader, the great rabbi. So that's some of the things I read about this text. In my own experience as a Christian for well over 50 years, I've seen that often these things start very, very small, very simple. Somebody hurts somebody's feeling and, and they won't say, say anything about it. And then, they'll, and then another perceived hurt will come upon that. And so it sort of builds an intensity and the pressure to where, well, then I'll go and say to Mark, you know, so-and-so said this to me. Did, have you noticed anything about them? Are they having problems? Because they're not... And so we do this insidious stuff that is like a cancer through the whole community rather than just going to the person. Now, I realize the ask that I'm asking here is really hard because most all of us are very non-confrontational. My God, the last thing we want to do is hurt somebody's feelings. And I would suggest if we can approach this stuff. The grease is it, as it is to help make all of this function and work well is humility. If in humility I can come and say, is this really what, what's going on? Talk to me. That it becomes more possible to resolve these things early rather than have to amputate something later on because the disease has become festered beyond repair. I know this is a huge ask. Look, if this was easy, we wouldn't have to speak about it. If this was easy, we wouldn't have 2,000 years of church history, what it is. It's not easy. It's not easy at all. But I suggest if we are truly going to try and live out what we say, following Jesus on the way of radical love. This is where the rubber meets the road. I had someone say to me in my office, well, you don't want us coming to get you for all these little trivial things. And I said, yes, I do. <laughs> because that's the real work. And, and I've had a number of courses at sem at, at at a graduate school and in my doctorate to teach me how to help this process along because this is the real work. Learning how to relate, how, learning how to 
be kind to each other when we're just not going to agree. We're just not going to agree that this is the way something should be done, but that's okay. We can still be kind to each other, and maybe this time I'll get my way, and next time you'll get your way, but we're still going to be together because we're in this together. How do we do that? I know it's not easy, but as I have been here almost eight months now, this is one of those things, this is one of the two major things. I think we really will need to work on an address before we begin to call a settled pastor, because otherwise the same difficulties that we've had will erupt again. And so this, for me, is the real work. As I've said, humility is a great help in this. Next Sunday, I will offer from the parable that will be ours to explore another great tool in helping this uh, work out well. But my friends... In all seriousness, look, this is stuff I struggle with. I don't know any human being that doesn't struggle with this stuff. But if we're going to say we're trying to follow Jesus on the way of radical love, this is where the rubber meets the road. This is a real evidentiary sign that we're trying. And that's all we can do is try. But I find it interesting It's in the midst of this kind of work where we have that line of Jesus. When you're doing this, I will be there with you. You know that, Mark read it, where two or three are gathered in my name, working on these relational issues. That's the context where Jesus said, I'll be right in there with you. Where two or three are gathered in my name doing this stuff, I'm with you. And the last thing I want to address is that obscure kind of talking what is bound on earth is bound in heaven and what is loosed on earth is loosed in heaven and that's sort of a cryptic thing. Here's the way I read it and I just offer this to you. If I'm going to stay attached to the wound that was done to me, or perceived done to me. If I'm going to hold on as Shylock in The Merchant of Venice, this is a good Shakespeare town, if I'm going to hold on to my demand for justice and my pound of flesh, and I've got to have this, what I understand that this verse is saying is that the grace and the gates of heaven are closed to me. I am bound to my wound, to my demand for justice, my demand to be vindicated, my demand for to be right. I have closed off the open heaven of grace to flow in my life. But if I am willing to relinquish my attachment to my wounds, that grace can flow. Amen.